So um, today, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. It's, it's almost Christmas time. Almost. But this is a twist on Christmas that I don't think a lot of people got. It came to me a couple weeks ago while I was at home. Just what I thought was reading the Bible. But God said, wait a minute. That's good. Come on. Um, so today we're, we're going to talk about coming expecting. So, so when you come into the house of the Lord and you come and you need a blessing and you need a breakthrough, it's important to come expecting. Because when you come expecting, that's taking the limitation off of God. And that's saying, God, whatever you got, you give it to me. Amen? So we're going to start in verse 12, and it says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, and peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So here what's happening is, when you take yourself and you step outside and you kind of watch from a distance, what's happening is, come on, I know I'm going to get a little bit excited, so y'all better be ready to get excited today. Come on, come on. When you step outside and you put yourself in that shepherd's shoes, they have been walking and they've been tending to these sheep, but then these angels come. And they know that when an angel of the Lord comes, they know something good is about to happen. Now, they've heard about Jesus. They heard about him being born, but these angels, they come and they tell him he's born. So they said, hmm, what can we do about Jesus being born? What can we do about him? And what it says is, so they, um, so they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let's go. They didn't say, well, I guess we better go and see if they're being right, if they're being truthful. No, they said, let's go. Come on, pack your bags. Let's go, Skippy. Let's go see about Jesus. How many of you know when they went expecting? When they stepped out of their comfort zone? When they got in with Jesus? And they said, you know what? He's got something for me. And if I go see him, I'm going to receive it. How many of you know when they left? They got it. Come on. Come on. How did, how did they know? How did they know Jesus was this sweet thing? I'm going to flip over to Psalms 34.8 real quick. And it says here, <clears throat> Whoa, I'm going too fast here. There we go. When we flip the Psalms 34.8, and we read a little bit about what 34.8 says here. It says, Oh, taste. Come on now. What you know about that? Oh, taste. How many of you know that before the shepherds even left, when the angels came down, how many of you know that they had already tasted and seen that the Lord was good? How many of you know how good the Lord is? I done stood here and told you today, 15 years, I went to the same church since I was 12 years old, standing out in the highways and the byways, preaching the good word of the Lord. Come on now, going on mission trips from here to Alexandria to... Virginia, from here to Washington, D.C., from here to White River, Arizona, from here to Mexico City, Mexico. Every time I went, God blessed me. 
Because I tasted and I seen that the Lord was good. How many of you know that when these shepherds, when the angels appeared to them, they already knew that God was good. They already knew that God was doing something good for them. So when they tasted what the Lord had for them, when they tasted a little bit of it, they knew he was good. So when they, when they packed up and they scurried off, they had the expectation that they was going to meet Jesus. And they knew in their mind, come on now, they knew in their mind that God is good. They knew that he was good. And then it says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So they know from what the angels told them, they said, favor is going to fall on those whom he rests in. And here we read again and they say, blessed are those who take refuge in him. So now they're saying, okay, I abide in you and you abide in me. Now what? Look at God. Come on now. So they're they're continuing to go on their journey here. And as they go on their little journey here, over in Romans 8, 28, we're going to read, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Favorite verse in the Bible. All things, not some things, not this thing, that thing, that thing, that thing. All things. Come on, say it with me today. All things. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So the shepherds, now they know they've left, they've expected God to do a mighty move. How many of you are expecting God to do a mighty move in your household? In your valley, in your household. How many of you know revival starts in your household? Sometimes you got to start it in your own temple. Sometimes you got to step out of your comfort zone and you got to tell your sister, you got to tell your brother, you got to tell your mother, you got to tell your daughter, Jesus is good. Come on with me. Psalms 34 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you know sometimes you got to slide over? You got to say, You know what, Corey? Let's get out. Okay, let's take the flesh out. Let's let Jesus come in. And let's love him. Let's bring him in. How many of you know? How many of you hurt for your family? How many of you weep for your family? How many, of you, how many times do you do that? How many times do you find yourself on your face just crying, God, God, I've done all I can do. What else is there for me to do? I've prayed many, many, many nights. I've said so many prayers. I think you could recite every prayer that I have said forwards, backwards, from the middle to the back, from the middle to the front. Come on now. How many times do you feel like that? How many times? But how many times have you come expecting? How many times have you been a shepherd and you marched across your fields and you knew that when you got there, what you was going there to receive, you was going to get it? Come on. How many times have you walked in that victory before you got that victory? How many times have you been a Paul when he's in jail in Acts chapter 16? And what did he do in the midnight hour? He praised God. He didn't say, God, why me? He didn't say, God, this is, this is not meant for me. I know I'm meant for something more. He said, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the breakthrough. And when he gave those praises unto God, they appeased him. And when they appeased him, God sent that earthquake. Sometimes when you need that earthquake in your life, you got to come expect it. 
You got to come knowing that, knowing that, knowing that God's going to do it. That God can do it. And when God does it, you got to know, I got to praise him. Come on. What, what did David do? When, when they wanted to change out the altar, they took six steps. And then they danced before the Lord and they praised. When's the last time you took six steps in your spiritual journey? And then you stopped and you praised the Lord for what he was about to do. When's the last time you seek the Lord like that? When's the last time you got out of your comfort zone and you said, you know what, God, I'm going to do it. And you start walking. And as you walk, you know that your steps are in victory. And as your steps become in victory, come on, how many of you know you get a little excited? Come on. When you get a little excited, you do things you don't normally do. Come on. Come on. Come on. How many, how many times have you got a little excited? You said, Jesus did it. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'll, I'll tell you like this. I have two nephews, four years old. They were born at about five and a half months premature. And when they were born, one was nine ounces, one was five ounces. So there's a lot of trips to, to Harrisonburg. And one night I was at McDonald's, I'll never forget and my brother came in the store. He said, Corey, got any money? They just told me that my son, he has a blood infection and that he's not going to make it through the night. We need to go to the hospital now. I said, Jesus. I said, God. <laughs> I said, I know that's not your will for his life. I said, we are going to walk in victory right now. So I'm going to keep this little bit of money I got. But when he gets there, I'm believing for the healing. And how many of you know? Now, before he came to see me, before he came to see me, it's important to know that he went to the church. Now, he's not one to run to the church. He said, Corey, I don't need all that. I don't need all that. You needed it that night. You, you went to that church. How many of you know that the elders of the church lined the walls of that church in a circle, and they prayed. They went in the intercessory immediately at 635. 642, when he was on his way to the hospital, a doctor said, he called him, he said, Mr. Hall, you can stay at home because we can find no trace of a blood. No, no, no trace of an infection. None. So, so I went ahead and I got off and I said, let me go on over here. I get over there. And I'll never forget this day. His name is Kingston. I walked up to the incubator. He's still in the incubator. And I, I did, all I did, I didn't even touch it yet. And the thing began to shake. I said, but God, come on now. How many of you know, as a shepherd, when I embarked on my journey and I had that expectation that Jesus was going to heal him, as I embarked on that journey, as I got to where I was going and God had already been there, done what he needed to do and come out, when I went to touch that incubator, how many of you know the Holy Ghost was already there working in the midst? Come on now. Come on now. How many of you know that when that, when that incubator shook, all that sickness left? How many of you know that when Jesus come in and when Jesus took over that situation, how many of you know to this day that baby, he'll get a fever, but he won't get sick. He'll get a fever, but he won't get sick. Come on now. Four years ago now. Been a while. So, so as a shepherd, myself, putting myself in that situation, 
I had already tasted and seen that the Lord was good. I knew that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And, and I knew Romans 12, 21, which says, <clears throat> Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Come on now. How many of you know I could preach all day on that? How many of you know I could probably wear the walls of my apartment out? All day long with that one. Do not be overcome by evil. Don't, don't let somebody who says, oh, you're never going to be nothing. You've been nothing for your whole life and you ain't never going to. No. You tell them Jesus thought I was to die for him. And because he thought I was to die for him, and I'm a shepherd and I'm walking through this field. I'm going to get what God's got for me. And I'm going to get it in full. Come on now. How many times have we let someone talk us down, throw us in the ditch, chew us up and spit us out? How many times have we let that happen? And then said, God, why am I in this ditch? Come on now. I'm guilty of it. Come on. I'm guilty. How many times have we let someone put us in a situation and then blame God? We blame God. Because we let evil overcome us and we didn't overcome the evil force that come against us. You have the power in your tongue. You have the, the divine power in your tongue to speak against that mountain and that mountain will then move. And when you get into the spirit realm and you think about those mountains, those mountains could be doubts. Those mountains could be fear. That mountain could be anything that stands between you and God. It could be your family. Come on. It can be a family and you want to see your family get behind you and follow you on the course. How many of you want to see your family follow you? Come on. Train up a child in the way it should go and when it's old it shall not depart. Come on. Come on. Do you, do you as a Christian body today, as a church today, do you believe that you could lead today like a shepherd, walk out these doors, walk out these doors with an expectation of a mighty move of God. How many of you know it's going to come? As a church, as a church in agreement, in one mind, in one accord, you walk out of here today and you think, God, I know you can do it. You're going to bring my baby out of that place. She's been there for 24 years. She's been doing this, 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 and this. But I know you can do it, God. Because what you did for me, you can do for her. Come on. And I know that you told me that all things, not some, not some things, but all things, work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I know that you told me that for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then you also said in John 3.17, which is probably one of the more forgotten verses, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but through him the world might be saved. Come on. Through him. These shepherds, they knew it. So they knew in their mind and in their heart that when they left, 
They had the expectation that Jesus could save them. Are you going to be a shepherd today? Are you going to have the same expectation? Are you going to have the expectation that he can save your family? That he can save your children? That he can save your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren? Come on. Do you have that expectation today? Are you walking in your victory? Are you being a Paul in a world of Peters full of doubt? Come on. In a world full of doubt. Are you being a Paul in praising? Come on. Come on. Peter. Let's talk about Peter. Come on. He had his own midnight hour situation. Saw Jesus walking across the water. Said, if that's really you, let me come to you. Got out of the boat and he was walking on the water. Come on. How many of you know if I'd have been walking on that water? Come on now. I'd have been jumping and shouting and dancing and hooping and hollering. Come on. But, But just like... But just like in today's world, we get so distracted. We see a little bit over here, a little bit over here, a little bit over here. And we look away. We get away from God. We're on our journey and we get sidetracked. And you begin to sink. But Jesus didn't let him go. He waited. And and when that midnight hour in Peter's life came, he said, come on. Let me help you up, my brother. Come on. How many times has he reached down into that water? How many times has he gone into that lion's den with you? And he's pulled you out. And he's brought you up. And he's trained you to be that shepherd. That shepherd that embarks that journey with the expectation that God's going to do it. And when God does it, what's your next move? What's your next move? What are you going to do, Carolyn, when he does it? What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there? Or are you going to give him a praise unlike any other praise you've given him in your life? Come on. How many times do we wait until the work is done to give him the praise, though? When we step out of that comfort zone and we give him the praise beforehand, we bring our praise to him. That's when he works. You know, sometimes they say, you know, the blessings in the crumbs, the blessings in the leftovers, the blessings in your praise. It's in your praise. If you will, if you will heed to God and you will come with an expectation and a praise on your lips and a praise in your heart. If you would do that, if you would take that step, how many of you know he would move unlike any other movement? How many of you know that the movement of God then takes it out of man's hands and puts it in his hands? Because when you come without an expectation, well then, God, I guess I'll take whatever you got for me today. And he blesses you this much. He leaves your socks on. He leaves your socks on. He's supposed to bless your socks off. But when you come with the expectation that your socks is getting blown off, your hair's going to be messed up, how many of you know he can do it? How many of you know that when you come with that expectation, when you come with that praise, he can do it and he will do it. He will do it because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Come on. Come on. 
So we, we are going to go to, to Exodus real quick. And then we're going to talk about Moses. You know, I touched a little bit about how, you know, how many times have you been on your face crying for your family? And in, in Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 7, we are, we're talking about God with Moses in the burning bush here. And what's he say here? He says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. What did he just tell you? He's heard your cry. He's heard your suffering. He's heard it. What are you expecting God for today? That's what he's waiting on. He's done his part. He's heard. He's listened. He's soaking it in. He's taking in all of it. But now the ball's in your court. What are you going to believe him for today? Are you going to believe him for that divine healing that you need in your life? Are you going to believe him to bring your family up out of the pits of hell? Are you going to believe him that you can walk again and walk in fullness? Are you going to believe him today that you are healed and that the doctor's reports are wrong? Are you going to believe him for that today? What is your expectation of God? Because without any, you limit his hands. You say, well, God, you can do it, but are you going to do it? But are you going to? Where's your expectation at? Do you believe that God can bring them out of the lion's den like he did you? Do you believe that God can start a revival in a valley that needs a revival so bad, so bad? We got young people killing young people. Why? Because they don't know about the love of Jesus. And whose job was that? That was us. We have failed. But now I'm telling you, he's got an expectation for each and every one of you to go out and go forth expecting of him. Because when you expect of him, he can move. He is free to move. We have so much turmoil in this world today. Our country is going bad. Relationships going bad. Sin everywhere. You can look in the street and see sin written in the street. But how many streets do you see Jesus written in? How many streets do you see Jesus walking in? How many streets do you see the love of God? Greater is no love than to lay one's life down for a friend. And here we are. And we've got young people killing young people, calling each other friend. And they're not doing it with guns. And they're not doing it with, with Swords and knives and, and drugs, doing it with their mouth. They're killing them with their mouth. And when they kill them with their mouth, come on, how many of you know that hurts? That drives them into suicide. That makes them do things that they don't want to do. I can't tell you how many kids I went to school with that had both arms sliced up from self-harm. Why? Because they never got the love of Jesus. We have failed this generation because we haven't shared love. 
So today I challenge you, step out of your comfort zone. Expect the unexpected from God. Expect him to move. Be a shepherd. Be tending to your field and say, wait a minute. Let me leave here and let me embark on a journey to the cross at Calvary. And I'm expecting that when I get to that cross at Calvary, not only is my cloak going to be white and brand new, but whoever's behind me. Whoever's with me, come on. Don't even put them behind you. Bring them up and hold their hand. Walk them. Sometimes you got to walk people out of hell. And you got to walk them into Jesus so that they can get their little bottle of milk. And as they get their milk and as they mature in a Christian lifehood, as they mature, they get that meat. And when they get that meat, yes, I got a testimony. Yes, you got a testimony. But think about that testimony. I was down so low, I didn't think nobody could reach me. But then one night, I was in that jail cell at Page County. Come on. And Jesus reached down in there and he snatched me up and he said, come forth, my child. Think about that testimony. Think about what you could do for the kingdom of God. As Jack said, he said the kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God could grow. It could grow. The movement will make them grow. It will make them grow. So today's challenge, love them. Love them. It's not your job to judge them. It's your job to love them. It's your job to love them. It's not your job to, to beat them over the head with the Bible. It's your job to tell them, hey, look. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And today... I'm not giving you no choice but to love Jesus. Today, I want you to love him so that tomorrow we can rejoice. How many of you want to rejoice? Come on. Come on. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on. How many times have you rejoiced and been glad in a day that wasn't so good? Come on. When it's tough, you know, when you're getting beat over the head by this person, that person, that person, and that person. And you're just getting spiritually jumped. Did you rejoice? Did you have an expectation that God could turn that whole thing around and send you forth? Come on. When you come with an expectation, when you come with that expectation, God can move. So your, your other challenge today, I've been challenging them a lot today, but your, your other challenge is come expecting. Speak life. It says, the Bible says the enemy comes to kill, destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and life more abundantly. So if you can speak that life and life more abundantly into those situations, into your family, into your home, into your grandkids, into your neighbors, if you could speak that into them, think about the mighty move of God we could see here in this valley. Think about it. So today I challenge you, go forth with an expectation in your heart and a praise in your mind, on your lips and in your heart. For when that expectation is fulfilled, you're going to be like David.
And you're going to take those six steps and you're going to dance before the Lord and you're going to praise. You're going to be like Paul at midnight. And you ain't even going to, you ain't even going to be able to, you ain't even going to be able to stand still. You're just going to be like, Jesus! How many of you know what comes next? Come on now. He shakes that jail cell. Come on. That earthquake comes. And when that earthquake comes, come on. How many of you know the bondages of sin drops off? The bondages come off. When you praise him, when you come with the expectation and the praise for your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, your nephews, how many of you know when you come with that, the bondages, they fall. Come on. They fall. And when they fall and they're set free, how many of you know my other favorite verse? I got a lot of those. He who the Father sets free is what? Free indeed. I, I didn't think I heard you. Come on, free indeed. He who the Father takes time to set free is free indeed. And you are free to walk in your freedom. You are free to do what God has called you to do. You are free to have that expectation and you are free to have that praise. You are free. So today, you guys, if there's anybody that needs prayer, you need prayer for anything.